everybody. This is David from the iFloat Radio podcast here in Westport, Connecticut. And we're about to approach December, about to approach the end of the year. And I have a special guest here today. We're just having a fascinating conversation, post-float conversation. <laughs> and the special guest is Kim Moore. And uh, Kim and I were, were talking about a number of things. But just to give you a background on Kim, she's a professor of theater at Brown University. And she comes down to iFloat when she's coming in, to, coming in and out of New York. And so we're always happy to... Uh, to see you, Kim, when when you come down, or, or up, or when you're in transit. <laughs> I get here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, uh, anyways, you float. But like more importantly, I'm I'm interested in the one of the things that I was just telling you was just how I started the I Float Radio podcast, and and Colby, who works there, also has started doing podcasts with people. But there are always really interesting conversations that happen mm-hmm. when people come in here. And right. because of the nature of what we do and the nature of what I'm interested in, which is all about the mind and beliefs and society and having an impact in the world, which is what why I do what I do and, and what you why you do what you do, we just do it in different ways. But it always leads to really interesting conversations. So um, I just wanted to circle back to that because I think what you were talking about was how you've been doing workshops and you've been saying things that have been upsetting to, to certain people. Mm-hmm. And, and so that got us to talking about like what, what, what is it that you've been talking about and, and so on. But mm-hmm. if you can just give a little bit of a background in terms of like what's going on in terms of this, this almost um, amplification in terms of like your work it seems to be mm-hmm. having more it's 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 going out more uh, it is going out more <laughs> yeah um pun intended right yeah more. <laughs> and you you're the one that's pointing that out i, I think i was in denial about it um, okay but um i mean i think my my own work has always been about multiple dimensions of reality that's been as a director i'm always trying to suss out how we can see more and more and more of what is so-called reality. Um, so I've been giving all these talks lately on diversity or being asked to speak on diversity. And one, I mean, I have a problem with the word, the way it's euphemistically used because actually the world is diverse. That's what I was saying before. And, you know, we it's very hard to imagine a world with just one thing in it or two things in it. But when you hear conversations about race, class, gender, sexuality, any of these things, it gets very quickly into a binary that's about black and white, gay, straight, you know. And people are more complicated than that. And, and, I, and my own work as a director is more complicated than that. So if you're going to play a man, you have to ask, like, what is a man, <laughs> right? I, I'm not. Let's not assume that we know what a man is. It's not one thing. It's a very complex uh, reality, even abstraction, because right. what man means to each individual is unique, and how they express it is unique yeah. to them. Right. Same with woman. Same with anything. Same with anything. So I actually was asked to write. Um, I was asked to write uh, like a contribute to a book on acting for black actors and so I was speaking to the uh, the editor and I said well okay so what's what is black like how do you define this black and she gave me this definition 
that really left me out of it. And I said, well, according to your definition, I'm not black and neither is Malia Obama, right? And so she looked at me and, and I said, well, she said, well, you know, you're not, we're, we're different, you know, we're the ones that have suffered the most. And I said, well, I'm West Indian and do you know anything about the history of what has gone on in the West Indies? I'm not saying we've suffered the most or least or, but how are you, you know? Um, and she said, well, you know, you guys get all the jobs. <laughs> I, was, I had to laugh. Someone else I know has said that kind of thing recently. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... Um, I, I used to work in the South Bronx. I used to teach in the South Bronx. Mm-hmm. And, and we used to come up against that a lot where I, I do remember some students saying like well they're not black they're, they're they they are black but to them like cult because it was a different culture than than what they saw and i i think yeah. even one of the students saying like obama or somebody like them like you know they're, they're not black yeah and, and 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 really what that's looking at is it's not looking at physical it's looking at cultural and they're saying that my my vision of culture is is what is what it, it should be even being raised Irish Catholic because my parents are immigrants. Mm-hmm. I looked at being Irish American different from a lot of the people around me up in the Boston area because they were more like second, third, fourth generation, and it was I. My parents were immigrants from Ireland, and, it, and so we were in some ways like an Irish house, and so I didn't glorify being Irish American because it was it was just I looked at it differently, and I and I always used to think like, wow, that's. It's interesting because their view of like Irish Americans is really different, and even, even sometimes, um, like when I look at like gay rights in Ireland and how they just they were just like boom, like like we're legalizing marriage, like that's just how it's going to be, and it just shows like sometimes people think that Irish people are very conservative. I wrote a piece last year saying, oh, looks like looks like they're not as conservative as a lot of Irish Americans think they are, and so it's yeah. like these these stereotypes that one has about their own culture. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. Um, you know, I was, I'm just laughing, too, because someone last week at this thing, at this other conference that I can't mention, but um, they were, what were they talking about? Uh, oh, no, I'm totally having a mind blip here. That's it right. Like, it was like about sexuality or something like this. Mm. Well, one of the things okay, I'm just, just going to joke about, just, just I'm just going to joke about because I think it's it's like an interesting thing. So I was thinking about the other day. And I, I taught in this school. It, it was in the South Bronx. It was for the kids that nobody else wanted to teach. It was probably like maybe 70% uh, African-American and like 30% Latino. And the, the kids used to make fun of me. Like one time I was, um, we were making some painting thing for this advisory class. I taught biology, but we were making this painting thing. And this girl who's Puerto Rican and like like lighter skin than I am she made this joke I said she's like well where's the white paint and I said oh it looks like we ran out of white paint and she's like she's like you ran out of white paint <laughs> <laughs> and I said as so I pulled up my shirt next to her arm and I said you're whiter than I am <laughs> get over yourself but one of the things that student was one student said to me once uh and it was it was interesting because they said um they're like, David, you know, after being here for the time that you've been here, you're black. 
And I was like, what are you talking about? And this and, is it. Yeah, and they're just like, and, and I was like, and they're like, ah, like that's, you're like, you're like one of us, you know? Yeah, and I yeah. was like, and I was like, really? And yeah. I was interested in your take on that, like how like the kids. I mean, know. it's very interesting how people connect with each other over, yeah. over what they can, you know. They stop seeing they, my color. Right. In a way. Right. You know, and in they, a way you don't become white because white is a condition. Right. Right? To me, I mean, it's a condition of this life in this world. So, you know, whiteness, when I was growing up, um, I wasn't considered black because we lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And I had an accent, right? Because I spoke Spanish. So I lost my accent purposely. And I tried actually to speak, you know, black English or whatever they call Ebonics, which was not allowed in my house. And um, I just noticed how one can just connect with other people based on language or just accepting how they, you know, like my own experience has been very broad because I can, um, it's chameleon-like, but it's not false, you know? It's like I want to speak the language of whoever I'm speaking to so that we can communicate with each other. That's something I used to teach the students about, which, which is like code switching. It's, it's like switching. not getting That's attached to like any particular right. way of speaking and, right. and being, it's like when I, when I've learned, I studied other languages and one of the things that people would point out to me is that they would point out like that I even started to move like the people that I was talking to in these other countries because I think for me, what mattered most was just connecting with them right. and right. I just wanted to talk like them and it wasn't that I wasn't being me. I was just communicating and I was using the accents and I was really like taking it on because I wanted not how I was saying something to matter, but what I was saying, right, what I was right. communicating. And, and one of the things I used to uh, talk to the students about was like, you don't have to give up how you're like, how you're speaking on the street, but just know that like, if you have the ability to change how you're speaking, when you go into an interview, yeah. um, that's going to give you a lot more power in terms of like shaping things because they won't be able to like judge you or they don't understand it yeah you know right they, they don't do, understand they don't understand it so even you know hamilton this musical that has just destroyed broadway which is great i'm so happy about it um but you know i heard some people talking about hamilton at the show they were older white and they're like i really love it but i have no idea what they're saying and i had some trouble Right, and I've listened to rap music, not you know consistently every day, and certainly not this contemporary crazy gangster stuff, but like <laughs> Run DMC like stuff back in the day. Um, and I was like, oh okay, you know that happens. You you're not going to understand everything because there's a it's a rhythmic thing, right? And there's also a belief that you can't understand it. One of the things that happens say to it me, happens everywhere. Happens everywhere because well, most communication is nonverbal, and so that's one of the things that we teach about in the seminars that I do right. is that most communication is nonverbal. And, right. and as I was developing a lot of my ability in, in the the communication work that I do in neural programming and in metaprogramming, I around that time I was still I was still teaching at the time, and I was in South Korea for the summer, and I didn't know South Korean, and I was teaching English. I was teaching these uh, DNA science courses over there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was surrounded by, like when people weren't like in the class setting speaking English, they'd be speaking Korean as well as some of the assistants and stuff. 
and they and so they all spoke English, but they would be speaking in Korean to one another, and, and somehow I would just get a sense of what they were talking about, right. and I'd be like, well, blah blah blah, and it happened like a number of times, and they were like, they, one day they just stopped and you're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like how they they noticed they were like, it's like you're like understanding what we're saying, but you don't speak Korean, right? And that's the thing. It's like when a person wants to understand. Yeah, they'll tune in as much as they because can. there are different ways to tune in. I mean, that's the that exercise I was talking about. Yeah, you know this. I I did. It, I teach a class called Acting Outside the Box, and in that class, you take the class knowing that you're going to play roles that you don't readily identify with, and it can be anything from the scariest one or so. I thought like white people playing black people. I'd look at the history of why that's problematic, but now we're gonna do we're doing it anyway, but we're doing it very consciously. And what does that mean? Um, so this these two exercises that I do are part of that class, and one is just the simple observation exercise. Simple, thirty seconds. You observe the other person, and then you turn away from your partner, and you have to describe them what you saw objectively. You can't say, oh, he has nice hair, or he has a great shirt on. You just have to describe the shirt. It appears to be a button-down shirt with checkers on it. It appears to have some brown lines and blue lines in it, right? Just as objectively as you can. And um, people freak out on this exercise, right? Because they're, they have all these judgments going. They're already they're thinking they're going to mess it up they're not going to see properly you know very few people mention race very few people mention gender it's the elephant in the room it's like really you're looking at this person of color and you're not going to mention that they have brown skin and i've heard people say they don't want to insult you by saying you have brown skin and I'm like, well, that's problematic because my skin is brown, okay? And I don't have a problem with my skin being brown. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this <laughs> interesting story that I think is really funny. I'm, I'm just going to share it because I don't think they're trying to hide it. But the, 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 these, there are these people that I know that we were talking a few days ago who, when, when their son came out, um, the mother, who's totally fine now about her son being gay, but she... She like asked someone who was traveling in Spain to get holy water from this special <laughs> church that she was gonna pour in her son's drink to make him straight. Okay, and so and I I just like had to poke fun, you know, when they were talking about it. I was like, yeah, and, and he probably the guy uh, the person probably got it from a gay priest, you know, <laughs> you know, they, everybody laughed, and then uh, and then there was uh, but but she said how she poured it in her son's coffee, and. And I, I was like, yeah, you probably had like a playboy off on the side, just like nudging it towards him just to gauge the response. And you wanted to see if the holy water was working. But later there was some movie that people were talking about and the, the people my age who have kids, they were like, yeah, we were watching this movie and we didn't know that it had like a, just, a, a, just a second of, of showing a guy nude like with his penis and stuff. And this, this woman who, this you know, grandmother who had poured the holy water in the coffee, she's like, she's like, I didn't see any penis. <laughs> And uh, and they were like, no, there's a scene, and like you know, we, we had to like turn off. We didn't want the kids seeing like nudity, and the, she was like, no, I didn't see any penis. And I was like, I was like, Kathy, I was like, I was like, you probably took some of that holy water, and you don't see penises anymore, <laughs> you know. And so, but the oh thing is, God. is that people like 
like train themselves or like well i don't see i don't see color yeah i don't see skin color it's like yeah you do yeah and in do. fact uh, everybody sees it and instead of pretending that the diversity is is, is isn't there embrace the diversity it's like that's the whole because point. that's actually that's reality world. that is reality <laughs> i mean i read somewhere recently that nature itself is multi-dimensional and so i was like duh that's what i've been doing in my work so you know, a lot of times when I, in plays that I direct, people are like, oh, your stuff is so real. It's so true. And I'm like, right, because I'm trying to give a real picture of what this world is like. Reality and is real. It's real, but it doesn't, it's not the real that you think it is because you're only getting, like you said earlier, about 10% of the actual reality. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's this, this researcher, and I can't remember his name, but I'll, I'll send you the TED Talk where... It, he showed the cognitive psychologist was showing that that people or beings in general that people are only we're only seeing like a small piece of what's of reality and okay. that relates to how we're wired in yeah. terms of survival and sex and so people people get into those places and part of what I do in the seminars I do and what you're talking about is is really helping people see where they have beliefs that are actually limiting them from seeing reality. Mm -hmm. And and I'm curious just to touch base on like what you talked about before because you were talking about how as you've been doing these workshops as you as you've been asking questions, pointing things out to people, talk a little bit about how people have been responding. <laughs> well, compassion is a really bad word uh, in these talks. I said that we had the, we had a talk about diversity at Brown, and um, you know everyone was invited to have a safe space to talk. And I said, let's acknowledge that this is a really hard conversation to just have publicly, and let's you know try to have some compassion with each other around talking. And immediately after I said that, someone was like, "Yeah, and you white people need to do blah blah blah." And I was like, okay, well, there's that's not compassion. It's okay, like a, it's that, a block that's actually the... just the opposite of what I was saying. But you know, this is the kind of thing that upsets people. Or, or years ago when I said, you know, that racism wasn't my problem, and that just sent an entire room of people of color and white people. Everybody was like, what do you mean? Well, what you said was. Racism isn't my problem. It's it's the other person's problem. It's the other person's problem. Because they're the problem. one that's treating me differently because of, yeah. of my race. Yeah. And it's really, unless they bring me that problem, it's not the problem I wake up thinking about every day. You know, I wake up like anyone else being like, what's for breakfast? Do I really have to go to work? You know. That's a good point. And that's something that I was in the Peace Corps in Morocco back in 2002, 2003. And I came back when the war had started and I remember looking at the New York Times and it's like I came back to this world that was just very different and, and, and I looked at the New York Times and I saw pictures of these men in Iraq, Iraqis, you know, and they looked just like my friends in Morocco. It's not that they were identical, but it's a similar similar look and they just, and so for me when I saw that, I saw like the depth of these people and they, and, and a lot of people think, and, it, and it's just how people train their minds is they dehumanize people mm -hmm. and so they think like well a, a muslim is this and a muslim is that and i remember even when i was in morocco as the war was leading up and i was in the the schoolmaster's house uh, i lived in the high atlas mountains and he he was in charge of this little school and we were having lunch 
and there was a little television. I was in the, the, the central town where I lived. There was no electricity, but he had electricity. We were watching television. The news was on, and it was talking about um, – it was in Arabic, and it was talking about the buildup of the war that's going on. And he just looked at me, and, and we were just eating, like, food. Like, it, he was working that day. It was his lunch break. We're just talking about different things. But mm-hmm. the war comes up, and he's just like, you know, like, they're, they're just going to – Put someone else in his place like they're going to remove him and someone else is going to step in which is exactly what's going on with the power struggle over there mm-hmm. but um but aside from that my point is is that he's this guy's muslim he speaks arabic he's a schoolmaster who just like works and thinks about the kids and comes home and has dinner with his family and that's okay. what most people in the that, planet are focused that's on that's really what is, it is and there, there's a small concentration very small of people who are trying to create violence and havoc and so forth, but it, it in no means, by no means, does it represent uh, the the Majority, diversity. Of, yeah, yeah, no, and and you know this this piece I just made, um, we we were touted as the example of diversity and how well it can work um, because it was a totally completely multiracial cast, right? Multiracial that. Two straight guys were playing the gay lovers. Um, women were playing men. White people played black people and black Native Americans. Um, none of us were Native American, not a single one. Um, and we had to manage, talk through all of that. And, and the piece was really about this town where the well runs dry and how the people have to figure out they, who they're going to be together right they, they they were fighting and this one and that one and it's like the well's now dry so what are we going to do and part of this shaman talk this guy this Mayan guy um, and his whole idea about praise and grief was also about this like radical acceptance of things as they are that is that we're all different and we can still be in the same place together or like when I said I disagreed with my colleague and he freaked out. And it's like those two thoughts can be in the same space and you don't have to run screaming from the room. Yeah, I mean, part of part of the, the radical acceptance is <clears throat> what that ultimately is about is like seeing people, like seeing the humanity in people. It doesn't mean just accepting everything that people are doing. Not but, at all. But accepting that, that they're, they're human. Mm-hmm. They are human people. They are people with depth. Yeah. Each person in, in the way if we stay if we sit in, in that space, then when somebody says, you know, I don't agree with how you're doing this, then rather than them running away, they would treat you as a human and say, Okay, like well why don't we why don't we talk about it? And then maybe you still get to the point where it's like, Okay, we still disagree. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. You know? No, but that didn't you know, that wasn't what happened. And I actually had to find my own compassion because I was furious that the whole thing was getting shut down because of this person's level of you know who they are in the game and um the people who invited me were really kind and you know called and spoke to me and i had to sort of go okay what is this person feeling trying to it wasn't easy for me to find compassion so you can say be compassionate and then when you really have to do it, it's not easy. It's not easy, and, and, and the thing about compassion, it's a tricky it's a tricky word in a lot of ways because some people think of it 
that you're just supposed to just like feel love to them. And no. It's not. It's it's no. being compassionate is like being able to see like what's actually going on for them and where they are and the complexity yeah. of where they are. Yeah. But also still like if necessarily necessary holding their feet in the fire. Being like, look, yeah. like it's not okay what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have compassion in the sense that you're a person, mm-hmm. you're a human, mm-hmm. you have depth. But this piece here that you're mm-hmm. running in your mind mm-hmm. about being right or about this or that, it's not okay because it's affecting all these other people. Exactly. And it's not okay. Mm-hmm. So both are true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I did come to was this curiosity, at least, about the fear. Because I really read the like terror in this other person and the quote-unquote reality is that this person holds tremendous power in the theater business and in you know education tremendous power so much so that everyone went scrambling to do exactly what that person wanted right and i knew it was going to happen but i was like well scramble or no i disagree and you're Done. still standing there. And I'm still there. And then the person then just ran away. And I was like, what is so scary? Well, this this goes back to, and for people listening, and I've talked about this before, but that the, the beliefs that people form during the first three or four years of life are the, the foundation for the self and the way we react and how we feel and our logic all emanate from that. They're controlled by it in a hierarchical mm-hmm. sense. And so people, and I was talking to you before about, about the survival hierarchy mm-hmm. and John Lilly, the inventor of floating and who influenced a lot of the work I now facilitate in seminars is he said that the, uh, first and foremost, the, the soul is, is, is the, the, what he called the soul spirit, whatever that area is what one will protect above all else. And he said, the next thing is the mind. And then he said the body and, and what the example I was giving you is, mm-hmm. you know, there are people some of the people who are doing terrorism, like they're blowing themselves up, blowing themselves up because the mind really does supersede the body in terms mm. of survival. But mm. if you look back at belief, what are, so people will defend what they believe to the death mm-hmm. and um, depending on what it is, what the belief is in the situation. But that, that example there of, of him running where you're just basically, let's talk, let's talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so threatening to somebody because what a person believes from early on in life, and it may not even be about race, it may be something much more basic of like that I'm right, for example, because some kids form that when they're really young and it doesn't change until much later, mm-hmm. if ever. Mm-hmm. But if that's what's going on in that person, it affects their ability to talk about topics such as race, mm-hmm. where they have to look at themselves mm-hmm. and see mm-hmm. where that is in themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's really where that, that hot button is for people. And only when they begin to understand that can they unload it and potentially actually start to have that conversation but it's only going to happen if someone like yourself or I mean I do that in my seminars where you're you're just like standing somewhere and Mm -hmm. now they have like a place they're running but they're all one of the things I told you is that by you holding the workshop by you asking the questions and whatever you're you actually change the reality for those people Mm -hmm. and that's actually what they're running from and so the reality has changed because you said what you said or did what you did and now you're standing there and they're running, but they're running because you changed the reality and that's good. And so eventually <laughs> they know where to find you. Mm. And that's what's important mm-hmm. when they're ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They know where you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which that's, is cool. I mean, it's a great way to, it's a great way to look at it. And it, it, it helps me have even more, a little more, make a little more space for them. 
because I have a friend who was also at this uh, conference and she, she, she mentioned radical change being whatever the person could manage. And there was another colleague at the conference who, who was like, and radical change, I don't want this radical change, blah, blah, blah. And she had to come back and say, let me say this again, radical change is whatever you can manage. So if drinking this cup of tea is radical change for you, bravo. Now I might take this tea and go serve 200 people, you know, some tea and that'll be my version. Yeah. And neither one is better or worse. And so even, and, and it was interesting to watch this person step back because somehow in the same way this other person had been threatened, um, he was being threatened in that moment and then she just said, no, there's actually room there's space for that and this. And he calmed down. Like you physically saw him go, oh, um, there's nothing to, there's a space for me in this. And I think that's a fear I see is that people, since they're gonna be eradicated or you know, dismissed or, you know, and that sometimes happens that you then, you get a new leader. And like, you know, just in the way you were talking about Iraq, and it's gonna be the same thing. I mean, it, this happened in Liberia. You know, everyone was like, yes, back to Africa, what? My, my family, all about back to Africa. The Garveyites, you know, marches, all of this. And then look at what happened in Liberia and look at what has happened in other African countries, right? So no one wants to look at these complicated things. They wanna be like, black, beats what you know white beats what it's like that is just not happening they're not looking at the complexity and, and really the way for them to be looking at the complexity and we'll finish up in a minute is people have to actually look at the complexity of themselves that's it and it's real i mean it's 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 that's it's, it's, it. a, it's a cliche right like like gandhi's like you have to be the change you want to see in the world and that's even a paraphrased version of it but mm -hmm. but we have to do because we're complex and the more we do work on ourselves and this goes back into floating right because floating takes people to this place where they actually are seeing more of the complexity of themselves. Mm -hmm. They're seeing like, like that they're not black or white in terms of right or wrong, mm -hmm. but there's like layers of, of just gray mm -hmm. or all mm -hmm. sorts of, you know, there's just like layers and layers and layers and layers of oneself. And the more one floats and the more one slows down and sees into those parts of themselves, the more they're able to see that in, in others. In someone else, yeah. 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 And, and that's the important thing but I do want to wrap up because I know you have to get, have to get on the road yeah, and, yeah. Um, but thank you for, for being on the podcast I think people will find this really interesting oh, yeah, and true. I appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, sure. for being here is there anything else you'd like to say at the end or no let's talk some more sometime okay yeah well, we'll this we'll, was we'll really do. helpful you, you showed me I was expanding I'm, I'm, I'm just perplexed <laughs> but so that was helpful so thank you good all right. Well, thank you, Kim and everyone. Have a great day. Uh, be sure to tune into the next podcast. You can download us on iTunes or you can listen to us at ifloatct.com. Have a good day.